Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to be with us. We realize there's a lot going on and uh, a lot of things have transpired since the last time we've had to broadcast. Uh, but uh, I do want to thank you. I want to thank you for your time, for your patience. I want to thank you for your many prayers that have gone out. Uh, as we open this morning, I want to ask you to join me in prayer. Prayer requests, if you have them, something on your heart, just please pass it along. Send it in a message. Send it in a post while we're doing Facebook Live. I want you, well, I want you to enjoy the presence of the Word of God and the Spirit of God in your life. The presence of prayer in your life. So let's remember today our nation. We've gone through and are still in the process of a tumultuous election. A lot has gone on in local governments, states, and especially in Washington. Um, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of name calling, a lot of accusations. But you know, I want you to rest assured in something. God knows the truth. God knows the truth. The devil and those who are listening to me, they may cause or create any type of commotion, uh, any type of upheaval, but God knows the truth. And he's allowing this in our nation for his purpose and his time. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's a blessing. I'm not saying it's a curse. I am simply saying that whatever the truth is, God's allowing it for his glory and to bring America back to him. We hear a whole lot of talk today about bringing America together, about a United States, not this or not that, but bringing America together. Well, I will think it's time the church lets go of this notion of America as the end-all and the be-all of everything around this world. Now, I believe America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Don't get me wrong. I believe America was founded to be a missionary port for the world to take the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world and to present it to the nations of the world. But I also believe the country, the United States of America, has forgotten that. And I believe we've turned our back on that. And I believe God is trying to get us back to paying attention to Him today. I really do. Let's put our focus and our face toward Him. Not toward a political party. Not toward a political personality. Not toward someone because they are charismatic or appealing. Let's look to God. His Word. His holy, righteous Word. And let it speak to our hearts. That's my first prayer request. My second prayer request for the COVID virus. There's a lot of people sick. And we're reaching into the flu season where there's a potential for a lot more people to become sick. Let's remember them. Let's pray for God's hand upon this virus and to remove it. 
not just from our families and our nation, but to remove it from the face of the earth. You know, the two may be related. It may be related, the COVID may be related to the fact that we've turned away from God. Maybe if we turn back to God, He'll hear our prayers and give us grace and mercy about removing this. So, oh, Pastor, you're, you're getting too far out of line now. You're getting too far out of line. No, I'm not. It's time somebody stepped over the line of being politically correct. And it's time that we started preaching the truth. And if it hurts your feelings, then get on your knees and repent. Because you're the one that's turning away from the Word of God. It is time to get right with the Word and the will of God and forget about the rest of this nonsense. Time to be back where we need to be. That is in God's will. So let's remember the sickness and those who are suffering because of that sickness. Let's remember our law enforcement. I've watched them as they have had the nation and the cities and the counties that they try to protect daily and try to serve daily turn their back on them. And defund them. Turn them away. Are there bad people wearing badges? Yes, there are. Do they need to be dealt with? Yes, they do. And they will be. And they can be. But not at the expense of the rest of the people. And not at the expense of the good officers that are out there. We need to pray for our law enforcement today. We need to pray for our military today. We need to pray for ourselves today that we see the Word of God and we see the will of God in our lives. Let's not worry about the neighbors. Let's not worry about our individual family members. Let's think about ourselves and how far out of the will and the work of God and the Word of God am I today? Because if I can't be the witness that he wants me to be, and if I can't give the testimony that he wants me to be, how can I point other people to Jesus if I'm not there myself? We need to be honest with ourselves before we start worrying about somebody else. Let's pray earnestly and fervently to be a righteous person that God can and will use. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And Heavenly Father, as we bow before you today, there is a mess in this nation. There is a mess like no other time. And Heavenly Father, the devil's been stirring his finger in it. Lord, we've become so divided, we've been so politically divided that all we can see is red and blue and in between we're missing you. 
Heavenly Father, I pray for a revival. I pray for a shaking of the people in this nation to get their attention back to you today. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll move across this land and you'll touch the sick and the suffering. And I pray you'll bring mercy and healing to them. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the law enforcement and the military. And Lord, I pray you would be with helping to bring justice to the injustice. Lord, I pray that you would bring calm and peace to the cities that are torn up by rioting and looting. Lord, I pray that you'd bring revival to the hearts and the lives of the people in this nation so that revival could in turn sow the seeds of repentance in the lost so that salvation could be won in their hearts and lives. Now, Heavenly Father, be with our message today. May you anoint it to bring forth everything you've purposed it to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mark, chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Hang on because we're going to have a big passage to read this morning. Very long passage, 20 verses. But bless your heart, if you're here for the right reason, you'll find something out of it. You'll find what God wants you to have. So join me. Mark, chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside and there was gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land and he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine hearken behold there went out a sower to sow and it came to pass, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, but where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. And though when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside which the word was shown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. 
and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And when they have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time, afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bringeth forth fruit. Some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. May God add blessings to the reading of his word today. I'm going to get my notes because this is a very in-depth message this morning. In this message and passage, we are seeing Jesus still ministering in Capernaum. Large crowds of people have gathered to hear him and watch him and listen as he taught the word of God. The crowd is so large that Jesus has to get into a boat and he uses it as a pulpit to teach and to preach to those who gathered on the shore. This passage also does one other thing. It introduces a change in the way that Jesus teaches. You see, this is the first recorded incident of Jesus using a parable to teach spiritual truth. What does the word parable mean? It means to cast alongside of. Someone has defined the parable as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In a parable, truth is measured alongside life. It interprets the truth, that is, life interprets truth. In other words, a parable takes the common, understood, everyday events of life and uses them to illustrate the deeper things of God. You need to use caution, though, when you interpret parables. Some people often make a mistake of trying to make every single twist and turn in a parable mean something spiritual. That's where we get false doctrines and foolish teachings from today. A parable is designed to teach a one primary truth. And when that truth is understood, the parable becomes clear. Don't go clouding it up with opinions or go clouding it up with philosophy or go clouding it up with what if. Folks, when, when you get that one point that the parable is trying to make, you've gotten the parable. Now, if it don't sit real well on your spiritual stomach, that's between you and God. But the reality is you know the truth. And because you know the truth, you are now responsible for it. And that's something that turns the stomach of a lot of people in America today. is the reality that they are personally responsible for decisions that they make in their life. And they are personally responsible for the truth behind those decisions. There are churches who are trying to slide away from this responsibility. Because, well now, preacher, the tithing's been way off because of COVID. We just got to lighten up because we got to get the people to tithe. Oh, no, you don't. 
if you lighten up and you try to compromise the God's, God's word for any reason whatsoever, you are failing God. It is time that we come closer to God and not worry about failing Him. We worry about repenting to Him, getting stronger, getting closer, and doing more of what He expects of us instead of more of what others expect of us. Folks, the parables are the truth. You see, when we're looking at these things, we're realizing the teachings of the Word of God. We're realizing the teachings in the parables of what the Holy Spirit is planning in our life. Why does He teach in parables? Because not all the time God is speaking to everybody at every given moment. There are times that the Holy Spirit prepares the hearts of people to hear from the Word of God and a parable will reach them and touch them in deep ways and in deep meanings and it will leave the others sitting out in the cold. Why does God want to do it? I don't know, but that's what He wants to do. And if he, He's God and if He wants to do it, He can do it any way He wants to without your interpretation or my interpretation. He doesn't care whether he hurts your feelings or my feelings. He is God. He is the one who has the strength, the power, the wisdom, and the righteousness to do all of this. Well, I want us to see from this passage and the parables of the soil as I'm going to refer to it. You see, it was a parable where he compared the lives of people to four different types of soil. And when I say the lives of people, I'm talking about their spiritual condition. I'm talking about their heart. I'm talking about their mind. I'm talking about where they stand in relation to God. The parable of the soil speaks to you and to me and to everyone on the face of this earth. We find ourselves in one of four spiritual conditions today. And that's what I want you to get on board with this morning. As I preach to you the parable of the soils. Notice with me first the closed-minded person. When we see the wayside inside of the Word of God, it refers to a narrow footpath or a narrow roadway that went around the field. Now, most of us who live in rural America have been in the fields working, and we know what that means. If some of you watching right now are not sure about what's going on and what you're hearing, a footpath, if you may fly over a field or a, a big field somewhere out in the Midwest or with an airplane, you look down around it, and you're going to see dirt roads and paths that travel all around it and through it where the tractors and the equipment go through and the workers go through. Those are the footpaths. Those are the wayside. Those are the things that God is talking about here. When those roads were there and they were ready to spread their seed, they didn't have equipment in Jesus' day. They spread it by their hands. 
Well, when they spread that seed, some would fall over on that wayside or on that footpath. And as it would fall over there, it was so hard and so packed that it couldn't take any root. And it would just lay there and die. Well, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, is where we see these, uh, one of the parallel accounts of this. We're told that it speaks of the person who hears the gospel but doesn't understand it. That is, they cannot connect the gospel to their own life. They can't see how the gospel could possibly hold any value for their life. Friends, we've got a world full of people like that today. As a matter of fact, we've got some churches that are sitting full of people like that today who just don't get it. They just can't understand. Their life is on the wayside. They don't understand how the gospel can affect them. They don't understand how Jesus means for them. What do you mean Jesus doesn't care and care? What do you mean? What do you mean God and Jesus don't accept same-sex marriages. Well, what do you mean God's against abortion? Oh, well, that's just being a bigot. That's just being all of these other things. That's being racist. Uh, that's being this and that's being that. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand why the God, why the gospel and the word of God says that same-sex relationships are sin, why abortion is sin, why adultery is sin, why pornography is sin, why lying, cheating, stealing, corruption, false witness, all of that other stuff is sin, and why it is God that determines where it's at in your heart and life. You don't understand it because your heart has become so hardened with it that the gospel can't take root. Let that set in. Yeah, that's a hard word to hear. That's a hard message to receive this morning. But it's true. It is true. Does it mean everybody that's had a same-sex relationship in their life is beyond saving? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that every woman that's had an abortion is beyond saving? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that everyone who's committed adultery is beyond saving? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that everyone who has been caught in pornography or stealing or lying or cheating or scandals or corruption is beyond the hand and the reach of God? No, it doesn't. What it means is the people who have practiced it so long and become so wrapped up and involved in it, their heart has become so hardened from the Word of God that they can't be reached and they can't be touched with the Word of God. It is these people who are difficult to reach with the gospel. They are the ones who want to become violent. They are the ones 
who want to become vindictive. They are the ones who want to shut down the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. They're the ones who want to close the doors of the churches. They're the ones who want to shut it up so they don't have to deal with the conviction of it touching their heart and them understanding that even though they know it's true, they just can't accept it. That is the soil of the closed mind. It is closed not to philosophy and not to teaching, but it is closed to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Well, then we have the confused mind. And this is the stony places. Stony, rocky places, they're common in Palestine. As a matter of fact, here in western North Carolina, they're really common here as well. Often there's going to be a, a, a rock base, limestone in Palestine, and here it could be granite, and it's covered by a layer of topsoil. And it looks really nice. It looks really brown. The soil does. And it looks like you could really go do a lot there. Yet when you plant the seeds and they spring up real quickly. And they look real pretty. Oh my, what a garden we're going to have. What a crop we're going to have. What fruit we're going to see from this. And then just as soon as a hot summer sun comes up and it starts beaming down on it, it dies. It withers. It dies and it falls away. Why? Because there's no depth in that earth. There's no depth in that soil. There's no depth for the root to get down below the simmering heat and the blistering heat of summer. We see here that people Receive the gospel with gladness. They see it and they sit into a service and they receive it. And they say, that's just what I need. I might as well give Jesus a try. So they come to the altar and they pray. Maybe because somebody else did. Maybe because the emotions of the service really moved them. Uh, maybe because it brought them to tears. Maybe because of this situation or that situation. But I want you to realize and understand something today. We don't come to Jesus to give him a try. We don't come to Jesus just to get a taste of it and see if we like it. We come to Jesus because we realize that we are lost and undone without Jesus. And we need him to save our soul. That's why we come to Jesus. He's called us and convicted us and reached out to us and we in return go to him in order to have a relationship. We don't come to him for us. We come to him for him. We come to Jesus because we realize there's a gulf between us and we need to bridge it and we can't, only he can. But yet those who are confused, they get caught up in this whole thought process of it being about me. Let me go see what Jesus has for me. 
But let me go see if it's going to be entertaining. Let me go see if it's going to be profitable. Let me go see if it's going to be prosperous. Let me go see if I'm going to be able to extend my step into the community. Uh, let me go see if it's going to help me out in this way or that way. Friend, that's not a case for Jesus. You're, if that's your heart in either one of those or many more just like them, you're not coming to Jesus. You're wanting Jesus to come to you. And you can't make that call. You can't make that call. Jesus calls you to repentance. Because you are the one in sin. Not him. You are the one that needs to repent. Not him. That's why we see so many people that look like they're failing and they're walking outside of the word of God. There's a lot of confused church members today. There are, let me get this, let me get the difference here. No confusion. None. There are no confused Christians. If you are a Christian, you are a born-again, blood-bought saint of God, and you know you have been, you've repented of your sin, they have been covered by the blood of Jesus, and you are one of his own. No confusion. The people who are walking around confused may be church members, they may be good moral people. They may be good citizens in the community. But they're confused about Jesus. Because they've never came to him on his terms. On his calling. Big difference between the two. So you need to look at yourself today and ask yourself, are you confused about Jesus? If you are confused about him, then you better be seeking him to call you to repentance. You better be crying out to him because he can call you to repentance. But that's the only way you're going to get it. You see, when you finally come to Jesus under his conditions, under his terms, you're going to realize there is no confusion. You're going to realize there is no real walk that you can do outside of him calling you into the fold. There's no place for confusion. Any confusion is caused because of your lack of understanding. Because you don't have a deep enough root. You may be religious. You may be you may be moral. You may be a great philanthropist. Oh, you may have a kind heart. But you just don't get it, do you? You just don't understand. Folks, this comes back to a saying that's really popular now. Jesus doesn't send anyone to hell. Jesus doesn't send anyone to hell. They send themselves to hell by rejecting Jesus. Comes back to that whole thing I said at the very beginning about personal responsibility, doesn't it? We can't 
slide this off on somebody else's plate. We can't delegate it down to someone underneath us or delegate it up to someone above us. If you're not saved today, it's not the preacher's fault if you've got a preacher that's preaching the gospel. Now, if you're sitting under one of these hug them and love them churches and nobody's preaching the gospel to you, you better find yourself another church. If you're sitting under something that's telling you there's more than one way into the kingdom of God, you better move and you better get out of there quick. Because false doctrine and false teaching has done tuck hold in that church. When you get under the preaching of the word of God, the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God, you will understand by the conviction of the Holy Spirit that all the confusion is washed away. So we've had the closed mind and the confused mind. Now we've got the cluttered mind. <clears throat> we've got a piece of earth, piece of ground here that we're going to plant. We're going to turn it. We're going to sow the seed. And my, it looks good. But when that seed starts springing up, and it starts looking really good. All of the thorns, the briars, and the saw briars, and the weeds, and all of these other things are coming up there with it and moving right alongside of it. And they're growing. And they're trying to choke it out. And they're trying to kill it. It's a picture of the person who tries to benefit from the gospel while clinging to the world. Think about that. Probably the biggest group out of the three so far. The worldly Christian. Now I said there were no confused Christians. And there's not. But there are worldly Christians. There are worldly Christians today. You don't think there are? You get into a conversation with people who are Christian. And you bring up abortion and you see how quickly they want to change the subject. You bring up same-sex relationships and you see how quickly they want to change the subject. You bring up pornography and you see how quickly they want to change the subject. Bring up a bunch of other stuff, see how quickly they want to move around it and skirt around it. They want to hold on to the popularity of the world and hold on to the base of the cross. And they want to be able to work between them, but they can't because between the world and between the cross is weeds and thistle and thorns and briars and things that are growing up between them that's choking them out. You can't water down the gospel to suit your personal expectations. But God loves everybody. Yes, he does. He loves everybody enough to have sent Jesus to die on the cross so they may be born again. That's how much he loves everybody. He don't love everybody enough to say that they are born again. They may be born again. What do we know 
about the cluttered life. Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your affection on things below, not on things on the earth. Set your affections on these things. Set your affections on all of these things that are above. Church member, Christian, where's your affections at today? Are they really on the kingdom of heaven? Are they? Or are they on something else that you've been drawn into? Maybe your affections are on the church building and not on the head of the church. Maybe your affections are on something else and not on doing the work of the Great Commission. I can't tell you what they are or not. You know whether they're right or whether they're wrong. Colossians 3.2 says, set them in the right place. Colossians 3.3 says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. If you're where you're supposed to be, and you're walking right, and there your affections are set on the things above, you're dead to the world. You're dead to the world, and your life is hid with God in Christ. That should be warming to our hearts today. That should be something that we rejoice in. Colossians 3, 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. We have a promise of being with him and moving with him and appearing with him. Mortify therefore you members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetous, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometimes when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth, Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is a renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, sixthian, and bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. That is Colossians chapter 3. Verses 5 through 11. It spells it out. It gives you and I a road map. A spiritual road map of walking with the Lord himself. Are you walking with the Lord himself? Or are you walking with a cluttered heart and a cluttered mind? Maybe... You need to get into your life and you need to do a little bit of weeding today. Maybe you need to get in there and start pulling up those weeds and those thistles and those thorns that's cluttered everything. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time 
that you do a little house cleaning. Get the clutter cleaned out. And let go of the world and put both hands on the cross. If you need to do that, today is your call to start cleaning up and start cleaning out. It's between you and God. What are you going to do? I said there were four. Here's the fourth one. The cultivated mind. Now some seed fell into good ground. And it was that good ground that had to be worked. It had to be prepared. Had to be plowed. It had to be tilled. It had to be ready. It had to be cleaned out. It had to be picked up. It had to be fertilized. It had to be everything done to it so that that seed, when it was planted, that it would take a good deep root and it would grow and it would produce fruit. That's a picture of the heart. The heart of a person that's living for God. The person may not be perfect. And that person may be growing daily. That person may have shortcomings and faults. That person may have a past and a background that it just you just don't like to consider. But friend, let me tell you something. If they have been saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, They've been plowed. They've been cleaned up. They've had the rocks thrown out. They've had the roots picked up and thrown out. They've had all of that other junk cleared out and cleaned away. The thistles and all of those other things have been gone. That other stuff is a thing of their past. And let me remind you of something today. It is God that will make a stand in the end and he will make a judgment on everyone's life. Those whom we think shouldn't be there and those whom we think should be there. He won't ask us to take a vote on it. No, he won't. He will already know the condition of the heart. It will be the cultivated hearts that make it into the kingdom of God. That's where we need to be today. You need to have your cultivated heart. I need to have a cultivated heart. What are we going to do? What condition is our lives in? When the gospel is in our heart and life and has taken seed, what have we done with it? Are we allowing it to do everything it's supposed to do? Or are we holding it back? If we're truly cultivated, we will be producing fruit. Not fruit that other people will acknowledge, but fruit that God acknowledges. Fruit that reaches hearts and lives for Jesus Christ. Fruit that plants the seeds in the right hearts in the right places. We will be the ones who will be helping to plow and helping to till and helping to cultivate. We'll be getting our hands dirty in the gospel. Getting our hands dirty, delivering it where it needs to be delivered. The cultivated mind is a mind that every born-again Christian should be clinging to today. Should be desiring today. 
what soil, what soil do you find yourself sitting in this morning? Hmm? Let's think about them again. There's the closed mind. Are you so hardened right now that you reject everything? I hope not. And if you're listening and you feel that way right now, I want you to know something. God's trying to soften your heart by allowing you to hear this message. And I want you to know people are praying for you. How about the confused mind? Are you so confused about the things of the world around you? And what the world is feeding you full of? That you've just gotten to the point that you don't know what to believe. Go back to your Bible. Go back to your Bible. Keep it simple. Let God deal with your life and answer your questions. Let Him have His way in your life. Don't worry about what CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, whatever it may be. Don't worry about what they and their so-called experts have to say. The only expert you need to worry about is the author of the Word of God. That's the only expert you need to be worried about. How about the cluttered man? Are you trying to hold on to the world and to the cross at the same time? It's not going to help. It's not going to help you. It's just going to make your life more cluttered. You're going to always be asking, what if, what if, what if, when you have the answer sitting in front of you? Do you have a cultivated mind? If you do, are you truly 100% sold out to it? Are you truly 100% sold out to Jesus Christ? Are you allowing him to use you however he wants to? Whether it's plowing, tilling, weeding, or sowing. You see, we've got the Great Commission, and we all love to talk about the Great Commission. But too often, we just don't want to get our hands dirty. The cultivated mind wants to get their hands dirty. Church, we need to start getting our hands dirty. We need to start getting our hands dirty with taking the gospel where God wants it to go, not where we want it. We're going to find ourselves in one of these four groups. Are you going to find yourself in the right one? That's the question. Only you and God can answer that. And I do hope before this message ends, we're getting ready to pray and close, but I hope you call upon God. I hope you reach out to Him. I hope you let the Holy Spirit have his way in your life. Because 
He is the difference. He is the deal maker between you and God. He's going to broker it, and Jesus is going to seal it. What are you going to do when the Holy Spirit comes calling for you? That's your that's your question to answer. Not mine. Yours. You have that responsibility to God and no one else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that you've given. Thank you for those that you're sending this message out to. May it accomplish everything you've purposed it to do and may it not return to you void. And Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for everyone that you've put in attendance today. Bless your word as it's preached across this land today and across this world. May souls be saved. May revival begin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can download this at sermonaudio.com later in the day. Share it with anyone that you feel free to share it. Pass along your, your, your comments, your questions. We love you. May God bless you. It's our prayer.